Today on the Sunshine Economy, the boss of water in Miami-Dade County. Here's the hard part about running this business. We sell less water now than we did 25 years ago. As South Florida has become more water efficient, there's a brighter focus than ever before on fixing the county's sewer system and finding the money to do it. Rates are going up as the department races to meet deadlines to fix big and expensive problems. I'm Tom Hudson. Also on the program today, another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. If you just said 10 years ago, this is what I would be doing, there's no way I would have said yeah. All that today on the Sunshine Economy after the news. Welcome to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. About halfway through our interview with Kevin Linsky, he made this personal admission. I have become the water and sewer system. Apparently, I am the water and sewer system. Now, it wasn't a statement of ego exactly. Rather, it was how he feels about the job he's held for almost two years, director of the Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer System. I'm a longtime county person, 25 years, and at a certain point as you take a new job, uh, you become the human representative of everything that happened for 50 years. So I didn't grow up in water and wastewater system, though I love the water environment. I just love to learn about it. But now problems that have existed forever are now my issue, and people who want to see things done believe that somehow I built all this and it's mine and I'm personally responsible. Linsky doesn't shirk from those responsibilities, which have placed him at the center of growing scrutiny of thousands of miles of underground water and sewer pipes, aging water treatment plants, and billions of dollars of mandatory fixes. You really live and die with the system every day. Miami-Dade water and sewer rates went up this month as the department works to meet deadlines for expensive repairs. We spoke with the water and sewer boss about the money, how he prioritizes what needs to get done, and he shared with us some of his big vision of addressing the troubles with water in Florida's most populous county. Later on in this program, you'll hear another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. If you ask me what my full-time job was, I don't have a full-time job. I'm a full-time driver, but I don't have a full I'm not obligated to one or the other. You'll meet Vinny Kuzmicki. He retired from a union job working in the convention industry to begin driving for Uber, and that led him to create a new business as a courier while he waits to collect his union pension. Now, if you want to share your story of money and the price of life in South Florida, email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Our email address is sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Ask Kevin Linsky about the state of the Miami-Dade water and sewer system, and instead of talking about the condition of thousands of miles of sewer pipes and scores of pumps, old water treatment facilities, or supplying drinking water to millions of people, he wants to talk about the bigger picture. I'm not going to give you the big picture. I'm going to give you the big, big picture, which is slightly different. For Linsky, as the head of the Miami-Dade County Sewer and Water System, that big, big picture begins with the South Florida Water Management District, the agency responsible for water on the southern third of the Florida Peninsula. And that big, big picture, as he calls it, begins with Linsky's own thought experiment. If you were one person in control of all of it, what decisions would you make so that everyone has access to water, so that the environment is well cared for, and so that uh, we don't pollute the water that we have? 
And when you look at the system from that perspective, we get trapped into making decisions that are balkanized because we're reacting to a system that's been artificially split up. But that's the system we have in South Florida. That's the system Linsky has to work with. He said he feels trapped in a box. Maybe between a rock and a hard place is a better description. There's a 2008 state law requiring Miami-Dade to address how it sends treated wastewater into the ocean. The running tab on that is over $5 billion. And a 2014 court order requiring the county to fix its sewer and water treatment system. Fixes that are running close to $2 billion. Our three primary wastewater treatment plants were in very sad shape. In fact, they're in bad shape today. And until about 2023 or so, they're going to remain in somewhat questionable condition. The capital spending plan for water and sewer projects is more than that for police, fire, parks, and transportation combined. So when I took over this system, uh, the biggest problem you have is trying to build and finance $13 billion worth of stuff in 10 years. I mean, that's just an amazing thing. We're no longer an operating department. We're a massive capital department. In the latest county budget that took effect October 1st, the capital spending wish list for Miami-Dade County sewer and water has been pared back to about $8 billion. A new water treatment plant was dropped from the list because demand for water has not increased as expected, but water and sewer rates have been raised by about 6%. What were the conclusions that you came up with when you kind of drove yourself to this thought experiment? Yeah, I have massively different conclusions than the ones I was handed with, and I could only take care of part of them with this budget cycle and with the next two budget cycles I would like to attempt to take care of the rest. So we are stuck in a system that allocates water to us uh, from the uh, water management district that says Miami-Dade County, you only get, in this case, 350 million gallons a day. The rest fundamentally goes to the environment. So you quickly draw the conclusion is, oh, my goodness, we could run out of water. Let's start reusing wastewater or let's build reverse osmosis plants. Those are kind of your two options. And we have been forced in actuality to build a reverse osmosis plant. Never should have been built. And we're told by legislation that we should use um, our wastewater and retreat it. But when you do the thought experiment and you actually map out all the water that's available, which we have done cooperatively with the South Florida Water Management District, you realize there's enough water for everybody. The first investments we should be making are not in our county. They're to the north of us, and it's to trap water that shoots out into the ocean. There's probably a billion seven gallons a day that is not uh, being managed appropriately, causing all pri types of problems. The best return on money is not investing it in the county. Should county money be invested outside of Miami-Dade County for the purpose of Miami-Dade County residents' water and wastewater? So in discussions with – so I'm just a department director who takes his calls from everybody else. I'm not a politician. I don't get to make decisions, but I have – You get to influence those decisions. I'm though. going to attempt to through two budget cycles, the next two budget cycles. And the first one, I'm trying to cooperatively plan in a great people, very knowledgeable, the South Florida Water Management District, to see what's on their wish list – that they could build that really helps the entire water environment for South Florida. And I am absolutely not opposed, I'm not a political official, that the various counties come together and appropriately fund that investment first. Otherwise, we're all going to be building unbelievably expensive reverse osmosis systems that do not need to be built. We have tons of fresh water. We have too much fresh water.
His assessment is guided by what he says is the biggest problem facing the water and sewer system in Miami-Dade County. It's not the threat of broken down pumps, power failures, or ruptured sewer lines spilling sewage or partially treated water into the environment. It's the declining health of Biscayne Bay. I was joined in the interview of the Miami-Dade County sewer and water boss by WLRN's environmental reporter, Jenny Stiletovich. So there's a couple of issues, which is that water I think that you're talking about is the water that gets flushed out to the Caloosahatchee and St. Lucie rivers? Some, but not all. Okay, so but a lot of that water is coming from Lake Okeechobee, right? Uh, it is currently. And that water has really high levels, as you know, of phosphorus. But maybe that's not the water we're trying to trap. So there's uh, more water that goes in, not, I'm not going to say a higher number of gallons, but there's a lot of water that goes into the ocean that didn't go through that nutrient factory. Specifically, he's talking about a reservoir more than 50 miles north of Miami-Dade County that could hold some polluted water from Lake Okeechobee as well as rainwater. Is this water water that we need to freshen Biscayne Bay? Is it water that we need to replenish our aquifer? So... The county has used no more water in 25 years. We Population keeps booming, yet we're using no more water. Because of water conservation. Water conservation is the key. And then everybody else in the environment wants more water. It seems like the uh, Everglades National Park needs it, and absolutely Florida Bay needs it. What is strange, it appears that among the winners and losers, Biscayne Bay gets far more water now than nature ever intended. So I'm not trying to take Key Biscayne water, but I am saying there is now enough water within the system and the proper investments that we don't need to be doing expensive things. We need to focus our money on trapping the fresh water that's available and then cleaning up polluted water, not building new machines that do what nature will do for us. When you talk about the differences and how we're getting more water into the bay than we did historically before plumbing, I think it has a difference in how it's conveyed to the bay. Absolutely. And so that, that's the problem is we're now getting more water but pulsed out through canals before it, naturally it flowed over land. And also there was less – the aquifer was more full, right? We right. weren't taking as much water out of the aquifer, so we had that kind of natural discharge. They need cleaner water. They need water appropriately delivered more like it was historically. I'm not so sure more water is actually uh, – what is the one of the first two things you'd want for that bay? Your comprehensive statement, though, regarding the water system in Miami-Dade County goes well beyond the political boundaries of Miami-Dade County, it goes well beyond the natural boundaries of Miami-Dade County. And it sounds like what you're advocating for a comprehensive reinvestment strategy in water supply is to dedicate Miami-Dade County uh, uh, resident money outside of Miami-Dade County. I'm going to say it in a, a similar way, right? Um, but not, not exactly as you said it. If you look at all the investments we're going to make as individual communities in response to a water management strategy that comes from the district, we're being forced to do very expensive things that if we all thought together collectively – there's a less expensive solution that is, I think, overall far better, and it is sustainable. My question, Kevin, would be that is a conversation that has been with the state legislature, uh, not necessarily with local municipal governments. Today's enemy is whatever's killing the bay, right? It needs a heart transplant. It needs something 
big, and yet we're going to give it a lung transplant. I will uh, comply with what's required by the state, but at the same time, I am going to kick my heels a little about whether we should be doing it. I would love to take that money, if it were up to me, and help clean up the canal system. The money Kevin Linsky is talking about is the money his agency, the Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Department, is expected to spend over the next several years to comply with court-ordered fixes and a state law governing how the sewer system sends water to the ocean. So still to come, paying the price of water and borrowing billions for system fixes. If we did not do the rate increase this last month when we went to the board, the entire capital plan would have just shut down and collapsed. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks again for listening this week. If you'd like to catch up on past episodes, you can listen to our podcast. It's posted every week in your favorite podcast platform. You can search Sunshine Economy. Today, we're featuring a conversation with the water boss in Miami-Dade County. Kevin Linsky heads up the Water and Sewer Department. It's the division with the biggest project wish list in any county department in Miami-Dade County, more than $7 billion in all. And this month, water rates were increased to help pay for some of the fixes. Later on in this program today, another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. People look at me when I'm crazy. I tell them I'm retired. I retired four and a half years ago. What? Well, how old are you? Well, I just turned 50. Can't touch my pension for another five years. But I woke up one day, and just, you know, 14, 15, 16-hour days, traveling all over the damn country. And Vinny Kuzmicki left that union job and $80,000-a-year paycheck to begin driving, first for Uber and Lyft and now on his own. His story is coming up. If you want to share your story of money and the price of life in South Florida, email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Sunshine Economy at WLRNnews.org. Kevin Linsky has a 15-year, $7.5 billion shopping list of repair and building projects. It's about half of what it was just a year ago. No longer does the county think it needs to build some new water and sewer treatment plants. Demand for water has been steady even as the county population has increased. Compared to 15 years ago, the number of water customers in Miami-Dade has increased by more than 13%, but the amount of water pumped has dropped 2.5%. So the water system is left raising revenue by raising rates, since it isn't selling any more water. That's what happened this month with the county's new budget plan for fiscal year 2020. The department will bring in $853 million in revenue this year. That's in addition to borrowing billions against future revenues to pay for the fixes needed. Miami-Dade Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky thinks over the next decade and a half, the county will have to come up with about $10 billion for its water and sewer system. That would require all told new debt service that would have 80% increase in rates over that 15-year period, plus you have inflation on what you're doing. So it's pretty much a doubling of rates uh, in the next 15 years, but you got to take into account there's going to be inflation anyways. Sure, but inflation is pretty low right now. Right, right, right. Consumer inflation is running barely 2%, for instance. So even compounded over 10 years, you don't get to... So I would... 
equate it to about a five and a half percent overall constant. No skipping. Skipping is a big deal. When you skip one year, uh, it's bad news. They always skip. Um, so five and a half percent every year. Here's the hard part about running this business. We sell less water now than we did 25 years ago. So every time we get a rate increase, we sell less water. It's not like a normal business where you get more customers paying more money. We get more customers paying less. <laughs> so we're just running in place. When you do 4.5%, you got to strip almost some of it out because we're selling less water. So the growth is going to come from population demand, though, from population growth. It just never shows up. So they never use more water. We always There's no other system they're getting the water from, so it's just efficiencies. It, right. it is. We're down in Dade County. We're down to sixty gallons per person uh, per day in in the home, which is getting close to European number. If you if you get it down to forty five, you're kind of where you can be with that. Your operating budget comes from selling water. That's right. My that's customer your base increased thirty five percent in twenty five years. I we've gone negative on how much water we sell. So conceptually, I would have a 40% larger budget, which would take care of half all the issues, if we just kept up with like a normal business, but we, we don't. And when people complain about their rates, well, they're buying less water too. So their, the overall effect is, is not that great on the actual bill. So when you look at an annual operating budget that you're going to be seeing in the next year of close to $900 million dollars, what kind of sewer and water system is that buying? Uh, so there's a really heavy investment pattern for the next uh, six or seven years. Um, you know, the problem is we're a bit running in place. We're still operating an older system. So it's going to buy a system where the wastewater plants will be in far better shape today. I mean, at the end of that investment than they are today. I really am not happy with those plants as a director. Um I think we're still always going to have leaks in pipes. We have 253,000 individual force main pipe segments that fail for a bunch of reasons. Uh, people hate when I say it. It's never going to stop. That's what the nature of the system is. But we have fewer leaks than almost anybody else in the state because of the size of the system. The department's got $2.7 billion in outstanding long-term debt today. What kind of capacity does it have to borrow more money, and what kind of borrowing is needed, in estimation, to put the department in the shape that you'd like it to be in? Right. So the borrowing, we just went out to – we're going to do pricing in New York next week on debt. We're going to try huge, to sell some revenue bonds. Right. Yeah. Uh, we have a series of huge transactions uh, valued at over a billion dollars. Some of that's on refinance and some of it's on new money. Um, we've been very lucky. We've been a country leader in getting federal loans for our system. We've uh, won two what these are called WIFIA loans, water infrastructure financing. They're at 2.9%, and they're for over 40 years. Very cheap, very long-term money. Yeah, we've gotten over $400 million. I think we're going to end up with more of that, so we'll be over a half billion of that at incredibly affordable rates. So that's good for the system. The remainder of it we sell based on our credit worthiness, which to date, because all the um, rates are so compressed, I mean, we're still getting four ish percent on that. So it's a good time to borrow money. 
Um, but we're going to be in the market for a half a billion dollars of borrowing uh, for 10 years. Each year for 10 years, a half a billion. Close to it. There's about 90 million a year we cash finance and about 400 that we we borrow. A half a billion dollars in borrowed, new borrowed money a year over the course of a decade that needs to come from investors in order to be invested back into the system. Right. And the only way people do that is if they believe that we can uh, maintain that debt. And that is done by a financial pro forma, which has to contemplate uh, rate increases. If we did not do the rate increase this last month when we went to the board, the entire capital plan would have just shut down and collapsed. I mean, every year we have to do this. In fact, that was the warning that came from the mayor, uh, Mayor Carlos Jimenez, when he talked about just this issue and discussed frankly, that uh, this was the time to do it. He said, failure to approve these fees would not only delay important maintenance work on our existing infrastructure, it would lead to demobilization of contractors and put our compliance with the consent decree in jeopardy. Yeah, I didn't write those words, but they were pretty good. Yeah, they're very accurate. Yeah. What does the uh, increase in fees mean for the average homeowner in Dade County? Um, so these days, if you're a typical homeowner, three people are in the home and you're using 60 gallons a person, that's the average. You pay $47 in our service zone. The interesting thing is there are 12 other service providers. They're called wholesale agreements. Almost all of them get our water and wastewater services. What do you think the average bill is in those other 12? Well, they have to tack on their own margin wow. to that $47. <laughs> so we're 48 they're 74. So over time, there is upward ability to increase, uh, not, you know, you take that idea to the commission, but it seems like it can be afforded to do this capital plan and still play, pay what other folks in the county are paying. What will be different with these higher fees and the, the uh, capacity to borrow more money? So as as someone who's in a home, I don't think they're going to see any difference. They're just going to see rates that increase 5%. But really, it's the same plants kind of providing the same services, except not collapsing, <laughs> which is a pretty good thing. That's Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky. Still to come, our conversation continues. A sewer system under scrutiny and the boss's top priorities. There's no more septic tanks now than 30 years ago. Our system has fewer spills now than 10 or 20 years ago. What has changed? Now the bay's dying, but these parts of the system are actually stabilized. Welcome back to the Sunshine Economy on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening and supporting public radio. You can check us out on Twitter at WLRN. We're, of course, on Facebook and Instagram. And you can tell your smart speaker to play WLRN. Later on in this program, Vincent Kuzmicki's story of money and the price of life in South Florida. After serving in the Army, Kuzmicki came back home to Miami for a union job in the convention industry. Yeah, when I was union, I was doing about 80000 a year. But the union, that 80,000 years is a different, it's a different frame, you know. The 80,000 then was good. 
Today, Vincent sometimes drives for Uber and Lyft as he works to grow his own transportation business. If you want to share your story of money and the price of life, you can email us, sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Again, our email address is sunshineeconomy at wlrnnews.org. Sewer and water rates have gone up in Miami-Dade County as a way to raise money to help fix a system that is increasingly under a spotlight. In February, sewage pumps in Sunny Isles Beach failed. 700,000 gallons of sewage spilled into a storm drain. In August, a sewer pipe under the Olita River leaked over 1.5 million gallons of raw sewage. And earlier this month, 35,000 gallons of treated sewage spilled into the waters off Virginia Key when some pumps lost power at the water treatment plant there. Miami-Dade County sewer system and water treatment plants are undergoing $2 billion worth of court-ordered fixes. It also has to spend billions of dollars to comply with a 2008 state law governing sending treated wastewater into the ocean. You'll hear that part of our conversation with Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky later on in the program. But first, WLRN's environmental reporter Jenny Stiletovich and I asked Linsky about his priorities for the department. Things break. So for real reasons, you want to make sure that there are less breaks within the system But we've started to map the nutrient loads from the breaks versus what's in the canals. And uh, the canals are infinitely worse. Doesn't mean we shouldn't fix our breaks, but they are very small. They're between one and two gallons per person per year. So one is trying to get fewer breaks. The good news is I inherited a system that today breaks half as much as 10 years ago. It just seems the press maybe wasn't paying as much attention 10 years ago because the bay wasn't maybe as Mm. much of a... Issue are are the breaks larger though in terms no. of the so, amount of sewage that happens to get loose during those breaks? Is that any larger or no? We've is done there a, less sewage that's getting out into the environment today than there was ten years ago. Less. So we did a twenty-year average, a ten-year average, a five-year average, and then this year, um, it's been dropping very well. It's less than half of I think the ten and fifteen-year average. Last year, when was when I was catching all kinds of you know, interesting comments, the best year on record ever in our <laughs> that we have records for the least amount of spills when we got the most amount of press. But the bay is dying. I absolutely get it. And whatever it takes to save the bay, we should do. Maybe part of that is a big conversion of septic. So if I asked you, you know, what a real priority is, is trying to figure out where we interact with the canal system and if it's the septics that are a big part of this problem, we have to step up and figure out something. On the leakage or the the breakage issue that you started with there, what are the contributing factors to those? 500 times a year a pipe breaks. 500 times, imagine that. Um, about 40 or 50 of those are uh, wastewater force mains, and those are the real dangerous ones. Those are the ones that you've seen recently. They're under pressure. It's right. untreated waste. And it's raw water. That's the real dangerous stuff. Uh, 60% of all volume that's lost from the wastewater system are contractors drilling into pipes. They do it constantly. Of the times we're aware that a contractor is drilling near a pipe, that's 103,000 times a year. We go out and do markings. And like a half percent of the time, they hit something, and sometimes they hit these pipes. So it's an extraordinarily large problem. The next one you would think is age, right? It would be the next biggest one. It only appears to be 15, 1, 5% of the problem. The other pipes 
burst for really reasons you wouldn't suspect. That, but when they were placed in the ground, they're supposed to have a certain bedding, and there's supposed to be a quality of when the pipes come together. Those issues pop up far more than age. And in fact, of the pipes that break, 80% have more than half their life left. So is that an installation problem? That doesn't sound like it's a maintenance problem. It's an installation problem. That subset of problems is mostly installation, yeah. The bedding wasn't appropriately done. Sometimes there's so much traffic over uh, a line that it gets some vibration, but that's a big problem. And when you say there's 80% of their life left, like what kind of time frame are we talking about for when these pipes were, were installed? And, and does that have to do with, with the installation process if it happened years ago when there wasn't as much oversight? Yeah, the rhyme and reason isn't really there as far as the years, but much of our system is donated, which we require developers to put it in the ground over the decades and give it back to us. So what was happening in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I, I wasn't there, I wasn't the developer, I wasn't the inspector, but some of those certainly have caused issues. So how would you describe then oversight under your leadership and how it has or should change so that uh, the successor to you in 20 or 30 years is not saying it's an installation problem back in the 2020s? Well, I don't like that question. Do I have to answer it? <laughs> I don't think we're we're doing enough, but thanks for finding a soft spot. So uh, we do have all the requirements in place as to what the pipes have to be, how they have to be installed, as to whether we have enough inspectors in the field. I suspect that we do not have enough inspectors in the field. I think that's probably a fair statement. So can you talk a little bit about the consent decree, too? Because I thought that came about because the Fed said, oof, you've got this old leaky system and you're not keeping up with um, the leaks fast enough. Yeah, probably not so much. So they said you have this old terrible system that has not been maintained with by far their biggest issues with the wastewater treatment plants. So there was very little pipe that was required to be replaced under the consent decree and it was pipe that was bad the day it was produced. Because I think it had asbestos in it. It's not bad because of the asbestos, it just doesn't perform. And then there were several pump stations also. But almost all those investments are in our wastewater treatment plants. They were fairly silent about 98% of our, our piping system. And so talk a little bit about the wastewater treatment plants and what, what was the problem there and, and what's being fixed. Okay, so these plants are over 40 years old, um, and they're pretty solid things. When you look at them, you just see a whole bunch of concrete, uh, not a lot of sophistication, these Treating waste is not all that sophisticated, um, but they do need some maintenance. And I'll say that the department was ex very much underfunded for decades. Whenever they didn't get a rate increase, they fundamentally were cutting down on the amount of money they were spending maintaining the plant. So if you look at our big digesters, their cylinders with uh, roofs on top, um, those are in very poor shapes. We have roofs that were collapsing from age and not having maintenance. In fact, that's very common. It's kind of embarrassing. And our electrical systems had not been upgraded. So we're spending hundreds of millions of dollars on the electrical systems and redoing the digesters. And then we're taking it all up to a standard for sea level rise for uh, 2070, the year 2070. So we're, we're preparing those plants for a different environment that could exist a uh, half century from now. You mentioned um, canals. Yeah. 
And so w- what role do you take in, in fixing that issue? There's a septic report that's coming out. It's a septic, second septic report. And when we started to look at it, the first time it was done, and I had just arrived in the department, and it was kind of done under the view of sea level rise, what's it mean for septic? And when we did the second report, we realized sea level rise has almost nothing to do with the septic currently. Uh, this report's going to indicate there are probably 3,000 out of 110,000 septic systems that are in trouble because of groundwater levels. And by 2040, that number may approach 13,000. So those are not immense immediate drivers. Uh, but we did find we started realizing the amount of nutrients that come out of these systems. And when you look at the amount of nutrients that are getting into the uh, canals, we decided to started to map the relative relationship between the septic tanks and the canals. We're making these really cool uh, nutrient maps that show you for every measurement station how much nutrients there. We're going to work with Derm to put in more monitoring stations and then DNA map it. And we'll be back to, was it a human? Was it agriculture? Was it some other type of runoff? What People laugh. Was it a dog? There are more dogs not using wastewater systems than there are people on septic. So you can't just say it's not <laughs> an issue. So we're going to hopefully over the next year, year and a half, get a great information source so we know how to invest to help uh, clean the canals. So those will be points around the canals that literally do DNA testing on the nutrients so we can see and where it's coming from, kind of like a flow chart. Uh, As you watch the water come down the canals and it hits the agricultural area, boom, it just lights up with nutrients. And when you find it, uh, unfortunately, around the North Bay where there's no agriculture, boom, I mean, it super lights up. So you're going to put fingerprints on these these nutrients. Right, right. And it'll help us better determine where to invest. But here's the strange thing. Uh, There's no more septic tanks now than 30 years ago. Our system has fewer spills now than 10 or 20 years ago. What has changed? Now the bay's dying, but these parts of the system are actually stabilized. And I don't know the answer to that. I honestly don't. We have to do something, but even if we did better with these two systems, I'm not sure that's what it's going to take. It might, might take more than that. Speaking with Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky. Now, our conversation continues, still to come, paying the price to end pumping wastewater into the ocean. There's so little time to get out of those investments. If it's really not done in the next 18 months, we're, we're going to be so heavily invested, we're, we might as well keep going. We're back on the Sunshine Economy here on WLRN. I'm Tom Hudson. Thanks for listening. In five years, no Miami-Dade treated wastewater will be pumped into the ocean. That's the requirement of a 2008 state law. Tens of millions of gallons of partially treated sewer water will have to go somewhere else other than the pipes three miles out into the ocean, as it has for decades. Complying with this law will cost over $2 billion. Fulfilling this mandate is the responsibility now of Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky. A power problem with some pumps at the Virginia Key sewer plant earlier this month sent 35,000 gallons of partially treated water into the ocean before it could be sent three miles out into the sea. That spill led to a beach advisory in Key Biscayne for a few days over worries about possible bacteria contamination. But bacteria isn't the only concern of environmentalists about the wastewater sent out to sea and what will happen to it when it can't be sent there any longer. 
when WLRN's environmental reporter Jenny Stiletovich and I spoke with Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky, he described the treated water spilled earlier this month this way. So if I had to write the headline, this is only partially tongue-in-cheek, it was the bay water that polluted our effluent. We have certified lab tests from both. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait, yeah, wait, yeah. Wait, wait a second. Use it. It's your I, material now. <laughs> As you're writing our own headline here. Right. Describe, so you're talking about effluent, meaning the sewage. No. Well, it is. One man's sewage is another man's uh, drinkable water, for instance. So, But not in the United States, not in South Florida, not in Dade County. This effluent that in, you're talking about. In the U.S., about, but not here, not in So there's 35,000 gallons right. that spilled. Would you drink it? It wasn't to. It was dangerously close to drinkable standards. So it was ninety nine point nine nine percent water. Yeah. And the amount of bacteria was one two hundredth of the standard for recreational waters. Uh, I mean, if it were two hundred times dirtier, you could still recreate in it. Swim in it. Swim in it. But your headline there was mm-hmm. the bay water polluted the spill. Yeah, because the both were subject to certified testing and ours tested literally had one tenth of the bacterial contamination. But again, that criteria is bacteria. Right. There are other criteria for what's safe okay. water. And if I had tested the bay, I may have found that, but the, the bigger, I, I think one of the big problems is nutrient levels, right? Um, I mean, that's a pretty big issue. So I do agree that we shouldn't dump our treated effluent straight into the bay because of the nutrients. That would be a bad thing. That's why the engineers came together. The investment that saved the bay in the 1960s, because it was on the same trajectory, was the ocean outfalls. Because the engineers found this spot three miles out, boom, off it goes into the Gulf Stream. There's kind of three categories of problems. There's pathogens, potentially, which in this case we had as close to zero as you can get. There are nutrients, and then there are other micro-constituents. So it's not the best water to reuse. In fact, the state's going to probably have to relook at the legislation that was done politically in 2007 because I'm not sure this should be used in our environment. These micro-constituents, pumping them right back into the water system, it's probably not the best thing. Long-term, where do they go? And there's limits on where reclaimed water can be used, right? In agriculture, I don't think it can be used on all crops. So you're absolutely right. It can't be used on all crops. If you did a reverse osmosis treatment to really purify it, it can be used to put right in the bay. Why not pay for the higher treatment? And here's your answer, because I could take an infinitely small amount of money, uh, pump it into the overall South Florida Water Management District, and create far more usable water. Same amount of money, three times the effect. In fact, we're discussing with FPNL to do just that, right? To treat this water to an incredibly high standard, the outstanding Florida water standard. It's uh, just over a half billion dollars to produce 45 million gallons. That's an incredibly expensive system. With a far less amount of water and doing some repiping and using an aquifer storage and recovery system. Um, we can produce twice the amount of available water for less money. There are instances where I'd say, oh, my goodness, we need to use reverse osmosis and do, do that system. We're not there. We should just use the, the general logic the rest of the state uses to figure out where to invest. So you're talking about aquifer storage and recovery wells here in Miami-Dade County? or That would more? be part of it. So we're looking at a two-part uh, investment strategy, one that could help create more water for the whole system. 
If we invest in the C-51, we're actually buying capacity out of the system. That would be from the canal from outside Miami-Dade County that comes in. Right, yeah. right. It would be new water to the system that was going to drain into the ocean. And then in the wet season, oftentimes there's more water pulsed in than you need to into the bay. So we have a computer model that we would allow South Florida Water Management District basically to run that draws wet season uh, overflow or more water than is needed, store it for the dry season and reuse it for the environment. In this case, we would invest and we would put that water uh, right across the coastal wetlands to drive back the salt front. You feel that your hands are tied with the 10-year-old legislation on the outfall regulations from the state legislature. I do. I would never. It's funny. So all my professional staff support the consent decree. All my professional staff don't like the ocean outfall legislation. I would never do it. So I'm I'm following kind of in line with everybody else. Those are the rules of the road that you've right. got right now. Yep. And I'm I mean, following. That's the law. I'm signing contracts. I'm awarding all kinds of stuff. You're not putting that. an asterisk next to your uh, signature as a reluctant I am sign. going to, when I took the job, I have to comply with the requirements of the job, and that's the job, and I will do it, and I will faithfully make the deadlines. So there's no plan to try and ask the EP f- to get out of the outfall requirement? It's, it's not a EPA issue. It was a uh, issue with the legislatures in 2007. I'm going to tell them what my opinions are, what I would prefer to do. There's so little time to get out of those investments. If it's really not done in the next 18 months, we're, we're going to be so heavily invested, we're, we might as well keep going. What's the price tag? Uh, so it's two, I, it's $2 billion, dollars, and it's kind of simple as this. We drill uh, 15 holes in the earth, 3,000 feet down with some more monitoring wells. We build a lot of pumps and electrical equipment because uh, it's, it takes a lot of pressure and expense to get the water down there. And then instead of an ocean outfall we start pumping it into the earth. And we have a requirement by the end of 2025 to effectively do that. And we're on schedule for doing that. And I just aw- we just awarded a $99 million contract that uh, starts drilling those holes actually next month. That's Miami-Dade County Water and Sewer Director Kevin Linsky speaking with me and WLRN's environmental reporter Jenny Stiletovich. Still to come, another story of money and the price of life in South Florida. If you just said 10 years ago, this is what I would be doing, there's no way I would have said yeah. That's next.